Today on the Doc on the Road podcast, we're talking about how you can use the power of meditation to relax and heal. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. This episode will explain pretty much everything, but if you still have questions once you get done with this, then look at the virtual doctor visit at the bottom of the show notes. I'm really excited to have Jason Stevenson on the show today as a guest. Jason completed a diploma in neuropsychological immunity in Queensland, Australia. In this course, Jason says that he really began to understand the power and connection between health of the mind and body. Now, Jason has been involved in the meditation and relaxation field for over 15 years, and he even has a YouTube meditation sleep music channel that has over 430,000 subscribers, and he's had over 99 million views. Is that right? That's right. It's now like it's almost 700,000 subscribers now. It's crazy. Wow, that is crazy. Um, But, you know, it just speaks to sort of the importance of this topic. Uh, Jason's also spoken and performed on an international level in Australia, United States, Taiwan, Taiwan, and Malaysia. And one of the reasons I wanted to have Jason on the show today is that I've noticed how many injured runners start to seem to kind of lose their focus when they get hurt. And it's interesting because concentrated focus is exactly what gets runners through long workouts, gets them to finish their speed work on pace, and, of course, helps runners finish their goal races on time when they're in an event. Now, many runners meditate, and they don't meditate because they're just trying to kill time. They're meditating. They're medicating. Sorry. They're meditating because they're trying to calm their mind. You know, they have to try to relax all that background noise if they want to focus better. And and I always ask runners if they meditate, and some say they do and some say they don't. Those who don't meditate often seem to cite this lack of free time as their primary excuse. What's interesting to me is that when I see injured runners and I ask them whether or not they meditate, they usually don't have this lack of free time as an excuse anymore because after all, they're not running and they have at least severely cut back in the amount of time they're spending exercising as a result of the injury. But for whatever reason, when they become injured, they don't really seem to recognize the value of meditation. You know, maybe what it is, maybe it's just that they've lost their focus and they kind of forgot about it. Maybe they're distracted because they're kind of upset that they've signed up for a race and they don't think they're going to get to run it. Maybe they're just not living in the moment. I don't know. But in this episode, Jason's going to help us all understand a little bit more about meditation, living in the moment, and how meditation has helped him and how it maybe can help us as well as runners. So Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here today in this moment. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's great to have you. And I know this is, um, you know, we had a couple of difficulties getting things scheduled, but you're really gracious with that. And I know it's a tough thing when you're halfway around the world, uh, you know, to schedule an interview. But I really am glad you're here. And, you know, before we get started with some questions about meditation, maybe you could just give us a little bit of background about you and your specific interest that you developed in meditation. Well, I'll tell you what, I first, I first began meditation when I was about 17 years of age. And I remember uh, going to a class with my mum and she, she was doing meditation and she said, do you want to come along for a class? And I sort of thought, yeah. And I expected meditation to, I thought it was sort of all mystical back then. I didn't really understand anything about it. And I expected that I would probably go to this class and possibly even levitate or something. So <laughs> I walked. I walked into this classroom, and you know, everyone the 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 main kind of guru was there, and and uh, you know, they had all the. It was all like kind of, kind of a lot of hippies and that in the class, 
and sat down and okay i didn't levitate in that class but i will tell you i i remember the peace of mind that i walked out with uh during that session and i didn't do meditation then for you know 10 15 years later but it was something that always stuck in my mind that those few moments of doing that class so then I ended up picking up meditation again when I was recommended it by a counselor. I was going through some difficult personal struggles and, and suffering with a lot of, um, a lot of anxiety and, and, and stress. And she just said, you know, this might be a good thing for you to do. And, and so I did. And luckily, we happen to have here a, a, the largest Buddhist uh, meditation center in uh, the Southern Hemisphere. And it was just being built. And I signed up and did a 10-day meditation retreat and i guess after that the rest is history now um i really began to understand the true benefits of meditation so that's where i'm at today and and now it's a now it's a part of my life both professionally creating guided meditations but also relying on meditation to keep me calm to keep me centered to help me develop you know, more empathy and compassion for others as well. You know, the idea that you're going to be more centered, your mind's going to be clear, you know, these sort of side benefits, if you will, of being more compassionate and sort of understanding mm. others better. You know, that's that's mm. an interesting uh, thing that that happens that way. And, um, you know, but you talked about a lot of different things with meditation that, that sort of how that evolved over that long period from when you first went to meditation to where you really became, you know, mm. really kind of gotten to the point where you can create these things to help people on their own guided meditations. But from when my sort of perspective as a professional seeing runners, one of the things that I've noticed is that there is a lot of evidence in the medical literature that meditation can do all those things, but not just produce this sense of well-being that one can mm -hmm. get from meditation, but can also, because maybe as a side product of that change in your perspective and your well-being, that it actually can reduce circulating markers of stress like cortisol levels and, and other stress hormones. And, you know, from your mm. perspective as an expert on meditation, what's the simplest way to describe the, the overall effects of meditation that meditation has on someone? Well, basically, um, meditation takes us out of the fight or flight mode that we can get stuck in today. And of course, the fight or flight mode's been ingrained in us from many years past back into the caveman days when it was in our system to protect us from um, life-threatening situations so we could we could fight or we could run um, and escape dangerous situations and i guess the problem is today is that we can get these this similar stress response this boost of adrenaline however we're not using it we're not running so what meditation can do is to help to bring our bodies back to and our minds back to equi equilibrium you know some say that meditation is just about relaxation but as you said you know it's more than that it's been proven scientifically to change our blood chemistry for the better and the more we do meditation the more obvious uh, these changes are occurring and as i mentioned before it's that meditation can also help us be passionate and more patient and have more empathy with others when i talk about more patience you see when we sit in meditation sometimes 
thoughts enter our minds where we might say, oh, I'm too busy to do this or I'm, oh, this is boring. And our mind plays tricks and we want to do anything we can to escape that moment of sitting, of just being, being still. And when that occurs to me now, I realize, oh, yeah, okay. So if I want to get up and run away or leave the meditation, I actually make myself sit there for another five minutes because it's usually when I need meditation most. And so this is develop, helping me to develop patience within myself, and this can extend then into the my life outside in, in all sorts of ways, dealing with people and, and work situations. And so, yeah, there are so many benefits um, of meditation and, and how it affects us. That's interesting. You know, there was a um, there was a documentary I watched. It wasn't really on meditation. It was more about uh, the effects of sort of our our modern stressful lifestyle that you that you talked about and just mentioned. And mm. in large part, it was following the work of this um, guy at Stanford who's done all these studies on primates and how that relates to stress and how they cope with stress as a, in a community and all this interesting stuff about shortening of telomeres that can shorten your lifespan. Mm. And there's this one scene where he talks about the uh, fight or flight response that we develop and which can sort mm-hmm. of just get we get locked into that sort of fight or flight thing just with our electronic devices the uh, stresses from work and daily grind so to speak and this one scene he says you know a roller coaster is a classic way to stimulate that sort of exciting fight or flight response but it doesn't last for two weeks. Mm. Um, and that's really mm. what we have done is, you know, we get involved in these drives at work and sometimes even mm. training for events or other things. And we get locked into this cycle. And meditation, as you say, is one of those ways to break that up, to actually get you out of that. But just as you mentioned, it's very difficult to sit still to actually give yourself mm-hmm. the opportunity to do that. And mm-hmm. not long ago, one of my one of my closest family members, who I won't say who it is, but repeatedly told me that meditation could be helpful and and a number of experts have actually recommended meditation to this person this is this person's also a runner and mm-hmm. and they've told me that they've never been able to sit still long enough to clear the thoughts circulating through the mind now that's just what you talked about, how you would just, you know, make yourself sit there for mm. another five minutes. Um, but because this runner actually seems to view that difficulty and have all that difficulty with just the process of sitting still, that for years, mm. when attempting to do this, they've just given up. So what sort of advice do you have for an athlete who might really benefit from meditation, but is really having a hard time just sitting still enough to clear the mind and actually get into the process of meditation? Mm. You know, I love this question, actually. And the reason is, is because it's a it's a bit of a misconception about what meditation is about. And many people say, you know, that the aim is, is to clear the mind. And the great news is, is that we don't have to clear the mind. Um, That's actually not what meditation is about. That's more of a doing and action. Uh, But meditation simply about being there's a there's a gentleman by the name of John Kabat-Zinn. Uh, who's who's brought meditation out here to the West and has made it broadly known. But he actually says a lot of times, he says, put the welcome mat out for your thoughts. And so what you're, do, what you're beginning to do is rather than have the thoughts circulating, thought, oh, my goodness, I can't do this meditation. My mind won't 
shut down. My mind, I can't clear my thoughts. The idea is, is to allow these thoughts to come into your mind, to be aware of these thoughts and see them, acknowledge that thought. And then you don't have to follow, keep following where it leads, but then just gently shift your focus back to your breathing. And so no matter how many times thoughts come up, because they do come up where we've been thinking, you know, we have thousands of thoughts per day. So the idea is, is not to beat yourself up over these thoughts, but to actually welcome them in and say, okay, you know, I see you, I acknowledge you, but now let's just, let's just shift back to the breathing again. If you have a hundred thoughts, then a hundred times you can just keep shifting your focus back to your breathing. And I think when, when we do this, we stop beating ourselves up and the process of meditation actually becomes easier. It's not difficult because we're just simply being as we are, not trying to achieve any outcomes of clearing the mind. What happens is I guess the thought process begins to slow down the more we become aware of our thoughts. They, it just naturally will begin over time and extended time begin to slow down and there might be days where you'll have times where there'll be a ton of thoughts and there'll be other days where you'll begin to just simply get into it and you can just be and there'll be not so many thoughts there's some meditation exercise that i don't remember if i read it or if i listened to it but the exercise was basically to just you know sit quietly and just be aware of the sounds that were present to sort of listen mm. for the the spaces of silence between noises. Mm. Now that was easy to do that, but then what I found was that you know some part of that exercise was supposedly to clear your mind and then when you would hear a sound, you were supposed to if I recall hear the sound and take the sound in without attaching any judgment to it which I found very, very difficult. And what I noticed was that if I were sitting there and then suddenly I would hear this little noise and I would realize, okay, well, that's the refrigerator, I would immediately go down this sort of rabbit hole of, okay, well, what is it? What in the refrigerator is making that noise? It's the compressor. How does a compressor work? And what exactly in the compressor is making that noise? I was having such a difficult time with that. And then, of course, because I knew I was supposed to identify without judgment and actually done this complete analysis of the compressor in my refrigerator, uh, <laughs> then I had judgments about that. And and, you know, I found it to be very difficult. So I, I think that sort of um, that is sort of a problem for lots of runners and triathletes. And, you know, many of us are very tightly wound uh, sort of type A personalities. And and for many of us, running is a, a form of meditation. And absolutely. Yeah. So, I've you know, what's mm. what's funny is I've had a number of different experts tell me that I should never listen to any sort of audio podcast like, you know, a business podcast or a personal development podcast or or uh, an audio book on technical stuff like medicine or any of that sort of thing when I'm running. And and I've been told sort of uh, gently that since running is a form of meditation for me, I should only really allow you know, the sounds of nature or maybe music as a part of that experience. And, you know, I think that that may be true, but then, 
It's also true that it's very difficult for runners to, if they're trying to incorporate meditation as a specific exercise into their routine, it's very difficult for them to sit still. So what's the simplest mm-hmm. way for mm-hmm. anyone who perceives themselves to be really busy, uh, who really doesn't just like sitting still, what's the simplest way for that person to begin the practice of meditation? This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler in my experience is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You know, I have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. Two, he's going to be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are going to result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. What's the simplest way for that person to begin the practice of meditation? Mm -hmm. I think uh, it's really important to still establish a time for sitting. Uh, I don't think we can escape that. And but what we can do is start off even with two minutes a day, just two minutes a day of being and establish a routine. I, I meditate. My best routine to meditate is before bed. I do this every virtually every night without fail because it's a great time for me to let go let go of the day's events and so my routine is night times and but if you can start with two minutes a day even for a week and this will help with the routine once you've done that you can move it up to three minutes or double it to four minutes and then see if you can work your way up just to 10 minutes a day and you see what happens then if we take the time out just to sit and to be what ha- and and to breathe and sometimes, as you said, you can, it can also be focusing on, you might not choose the breath, you might focus on sounds, you might focus on sensations. That's all okay, whatever it is you focus on. But the process of just being and sitting, what happens is we can then begin to use this and take the benefits of this sitting and being and catching our breath and use it in all areas of our lives. So like you said running itself is a meditation and and so is walking and so so can be washing the dishes and all we need to do is to be fully present and to connect with our breathing and so the sitting practice whether that be two minutes a day or 10 minutes a day helps us to establish uh, to be fully present in the moment and then we can then begin to spread that presence out and catch ourselves 
sometimes we we go on autopilot out in life it, you know we might be driving from point a to point b and we've got no idea of what happened in between but if we begin to become aware and if our mind wanders off we can just gently pull it back to what's actually happening now and this is where the training of sitting the sitting meditation can help to extend into all areas of our lives I hope that makes some sense there. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And I mean, that's really useful advice because I think that that's, mm. that's part of it. When I was in med school, going to a meditation class and it was, you know, like an hour. <sighs> and mm. so the idea of, you know, doing like an hour meditation, uh, even when I was really interested in trying to do it, trying to think, okay, could I really do an hour a day? Like, where's that time going to come from? And, mm. you know, and I'm not unique in this. I mean, I do lots of different things. I, I do a podcast every week. I, I interview lots of experts. I lecture at medical conferences. I see patients. I write books. You know, I, I, mm. I have kids. I have a lot of stuff to do, so I think. And I also run mm. and do races and all that. Time is really difficult to find. Yeah. Two minutes is pretty easy to find, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even when you look at some beginning meditations and they're 10 minutes, and, and it's so hard for us to not have judgments, I think, when we're not good at meditation, you know, because as athletes, we want to be good mm. at everything. We don't want to do the things we're not good at. Sure, um, sure. So, you know. If, and and can I just say that too, uh, Chris, that, you know, I only meditate now for 20 minutes a day. That's all I do before bedtime. It's for me, it's 20 minutes. It's a comfortable thing for me. Um, that's all I do. Interesting. And, uh, you know, possibly some should some would say I should do more, but I do what's right for me. And I know that practice is beneficial, is so beneficial to me, and it spreads to my, you know, to all areas of my life. So I'm grateful for what I have and for what I'm doing at this present time. And so personally, 10 minutes, if you could get to 10 minutes, it would be so, it would be wonderful. And over time, you will, people will see the benefits of that sitting for 10 minutes. I mean, I've read so many books and so many uh, different things about people talking about medica meditation. And it's not just authors. I mean, Michael Phelps is, um, you know, obviously one of those world-class athletes who's talked about the routines they use to clear their minds before workouts and races. And many business experts do the same thing. Even, you know, Tony Robbins has this very specific routine he does every time when he, he does in the morning, every time before he goes on stage, anytime he gives a presentation. Uh, so I think it'd be very, very difficult to convince ourselves that there's no value in a two-minute routine like you've just mentioned, that there's no value mm -hmm. in 10 minutes of clearing our thoughts and helping us to focus better. But what happened with you after you really started developing your practice of meditation? How did it change your capacity to focus on specific goals or just live in the moment? Mm. Well, it's interesting because I was told from a young age at school, all of my school reports my teachers wrote on that, and I can still remember it, is Jason is easily distracted. He needs <laughs> to focus more. And this was throughout my whole, virtually all my schooling life. I would be dreaming. I would be, my mind would be wandering all the time. And so really, I'm the, be I'm the person that needs the meditation the most. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, about uh, 16 months ago, I broke my tib and fib in an accident and I remember laying there in a lot of pain and saw my leg in a really disjointed bad way. And I think 
that vision itself of seeing my leg was enough to trigger more pain, uh, even if it, there wasn't pain, but it was, it was sending my mind into all sorts of crazy things. And then my meditation practice then kicked in and I remember saying, okay, just let's just now, let's just, okay, this pain is happening, but let's just accept this pain rather than fight against it and and let's just see it for what it is. Um, and then go, and then I went to focusing on my breath. And as I was doing this, I just began to really focus on my breathing. And what happened is it was almost like the pain was obviously still there, but it wasn't as pronounced as what my mind was telling me. So I began to accept this pain and I could breathe through the pain. Um, it, and it was an amazing trigger in my mind. I said, wow, okay, this is happening now and I'm not feeling pain as much. This is working. <laughs> so um, it can, you know, just this alone, the breathing alone and connecting to the present moment because we're not concerned about the anxieties or what's going to happen in the future when we bring ourselves right into the present. Um, it's, it's a gift, you know, that we can carry with us wherever we go. And it, you know, it helps to me, for me to focus on my daily work activities when if I become distracted, if I, if I catch myself flicking through screens on the, um, the internet, I stop. And I become aware of what I'm doing. And I'm like, okay, I, I know what's going on now. Let's just call our mind back now. And so let's just, this screen, let's deal with this now. So it's a beautiful thing for me. It's perfect. It's this beautiful awareness. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, you know, and I, I remember when I was in med school, there was a neurology lecture and the professor said, you know, pain is in the brain. And, mm. and when we ask patients about well, what is your pain on a scale of one to 10, the exact same injury can be very different in one person from another. And a lot of it has to do with their perception of that pain and uh -huh. the fear surrounding that pain. Even when mm -hmm. I do a, for example, like a local anesthetic injection on a patient, I tell them, okay, you're going to feel a pinch. However, there's local anesthetic is going in. And so if you feel a pinch in one spot or another, if you just count to 10, by the time you get to two or three, that pain will be gone. And oh. I think that they actually have much lower pain when it's explained that way just because they know what to expect. It alleviates a lot of the fear. Um, That's perfect. But, you yeah. know, when we get injured and don't know what to expect, that fear can kind of run wild. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then it can make the pain worse. And one thing mm. I've noticed is that many runners sit around and uh, they get injured and they're focusing on the fact that they're not running. And they, they seem to be locked in and focused on the fact that they're injured. And I think that that focus is highly counterproductive. So, you know, one of the simplest explanations I've ever heard about the power of focus is that what you look at gets bigger. And if you focus on the problem, the problem gets bigger. And if you focus on the solution, the solution gets bigger. You know, what can you say about that in terms of not just how meditation has helped you, but also how it's helped your students, you know, really focus more on the positive and, and really keep things in perspective? Mm, mm. 
Well, I, I went through a really tough time um, quite some, oh, probably 10 years ago now, and uh, was actually diagnosed as um, HIV positive. And it, yeah, it was a really, really tough time mentally for me. And back then, um, I had just began to get into meditation, although I was just on the tip of getting into it. And I can honestly almost say that meditation helped me to, in so many different ways, um, and but also not only meditations, but the use of affirmations too, of changing my mindset. And so I was using a combination of affirmations and meditations, and, and affirmations just, you know, that positive st statement um, set in the present tense. And so what I did basically was uh, I used meditation and the affirmation to change my thought processes about all of this. And, you know, as we know, HIV stands for human immunodeficiency virus. And I'd thought about that and I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to live with that. I'm not going to live with the fact that, you know, with this tag of, that I'm living a life of deficiency. Now, sure, I can't change the medical outcome. I, I accept that, but I can change my mental way around this. And so what I ended up doing was changing the the letters of HIV to living here in vitality. And so it was like this, the whole perception began to change for me. So every time I heard HIV, I'd no longer related it to human immunodeficiency virus, but living, but related it to living here in vitality. And I would meditate on that. And it, it brought up something amazing inside me, some joy and some strength that I could call on. And I'll tell you, you know, within a year of doing this, of meditating on a regular basis and, and, and sometimes meditating with the affirmation playing in my mind, I guess using the affirmation as a mantra during my meditation, I'm living here in vitality, I'm living here in vitality. <laughs> it had a most positive outcome for me because it literally transformed my life within, you know, one year um, to something. I was living a life of for one year of, you know, fear and doubt and shame and guilt and just the list goes on and on but something happened inside and I began to come out of my shell and filled me with love and, and also wanting to give back to the world rather than take from the world because I think in my earlier days you know it was I was involved in a lot of drinking drugs and you know it was a messy messy part of my life and so I decided, no, this is this is no longer me. Um, this is where I want to go, and this is what I want to do. And in fact, this is what got me into creating my first guided meditation uh, for children, uh, called the album "I Believe in Me," because I wanted children to, you know, begin to believe in themselves from a young age, so they don't go off course or off track. So yeah, meditation's been a gift, absolute gift. Yeah, that's fantastic. And why did you start choosing to do your meditation in the in the uh, evening? Is it just something that helps you get to mm. sleep more, or what would you say uh, about that? Yeah, yes. 
uh, for me. You know, sometimes I do it in the morning as well to kickstart my day. But my main routine is definitely night times. And also because I think it's there's more of a peaceful time at night. And, you know, I just sh- shut out the light and, and sit and there's no phone calls coming in at all. Yeah, that's my time. Yeah, no, that's that makes sense. Time. Obviously, a meditation routine in the evening can help you get to sleep easier because it's the sort of mm-hmm. racing thoughts and those sort of things that can disrupt our sleep patterns. And we all know that sleep is one of the most important ingredients to healing, whether you whether you have HIV or the flu or a broken arm or whether you're just trying to heal the tissue damage that happened as a consequence of a hard training run, you need to sleep. When mm-hmm. I exercise, I definitely sleep better. Uh, when I have rest days or I'm actually tapering my exercise in preparation for a race, I don't sleep as well. And I know that exercise, you know, running in particular, really helps facilitate a healthy sleep pattern. But a huge problem for inter- injured runners is that they become more anxious and they seem to get a lot of anxiety and they have a variety of different sleep disturbances when they stop exercising. And that's true whether or not it's been a doctor who told them to stop running or if they just stopped on their own. And many of these runners tell me that they're just, you know, they lay in bed at night and they're picturing their fitness dwindling away. They're sort of doing the opposite of what you just spoke about, about how you, you know, picture yourself mm-hmm. living, you know, here in vitality. They, they see the opposite of that. They see themselves withering away. Uh, they think about and focus on these races that they don't think they're going to get to compete in. And those thoughts mm-hmm. keep them awake at night. So, mm-hmm. you know, what can you tell us about the sleep talk down guided meditation for sleep that you created? You know, can you tell us a little mm-hmm. more about that? Yeah, this is, you know, this is a great way to finish off the day. I realized uh, doing when I was doing my YouTube that so many people um, have trouble uh, sleeping because, you know, their minds begin to race. And so I wanted to create this meditation to help people to, before they go to sleep or to catch their breath, um, to be, to let's just begin to be in the present moment. And um, in doing that, we can almost clear the slate in a natural way because we're, you know, we're not uh, thinking of what's happened during the day. Um, and we're not worried about tomorrow, but we're focusing on our breath and focusing on the visualization. So um, this is what uh, I, I guess I specialize in is more of the sleep meditations or before sleep meditations. Um, and, and during this meditation, I also uh, accept that people's minds will wander. And that's again, that's a natural part of meditation but all they need to do is i simply you know if your mind wanders just to gently bring it back to the visualization or to your breathing or to my voice um, so they can just continue to be put in the present moment and sometimes in doing this our we're giving our chance that um, sorry we're giving our mind and body the chance to unwind naturally and and stop the mind from being wound up over you know what's going to happen tomorrow or what happened today but and so we can naturally hopefully then begin to have a better chance to drift off to sleep mm-hmm. because the stressful lifestyle that we we may set up for ourselves isn't really 
productive uh, in that sense. And I think most people now recognize that a stressful lifestyle is a huge problem. But, you know, you really created this course that helps people begin to live a more stress-free lifestyle. And, um, you know, I was looking at that. I know you have hundreds of students enrolled in your course and, and you even have a an amazing 4.5 star rating. So what can you tell us about that mindfulness meditation 30-day boot camp course that you created? Mm. I wanted to create a, a, a meditation course that is open to anyone and that people can use this course and develop the skills so this this sitting meditation practice can be used in all areas of their lives. So for instance, we, you know, we begin with sitting meditations and some guided visualizations um, that they can also use at any time during the course but i also focus on things like walking meditation and standing meditation and even eating meditation um, because some of the great the great times we can use meditation for instance can be like waiting in line at a bank you know and instead of being frustrated because I, I used to be there, you know, I used to be there when I, I'd wait in line and I'd get angry. Oh, they should put more staff on and all of this sort of thing. They should, banks are making enough money and rah, 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 my mind was going around. But now I love those waiting in line moments, uh, whether it be shopping center or a bank, because I just tune in to my breathing. And so basically it's this course is just to for people to recognize that they can do meditation virtually anywhere, anytime. Um, and I even incorporate into this 30-day boot camp uh, a silent retreat, if you like, where people are encouraged to have a weekend where they don't talk mm -hmm. and don't, commu don't, don't communicate with anyone just to experience this. Uh, you know, this is another way of quietening the mind. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed making that boot camp and I continue to add more and more bonus meditations to it all the time. Uh, so it's, it's actually a growing course. So, they, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that people that make it all the way through the 30-day course, by that time, it really kind of becomes a habit, right? And it gets to mm. really solidify in one's routine and, and becomes much more of a, a daily practice without so much effort. Does that seem to be true? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, people that have finished the course have, have said, wow, you know, I'm, I'm loved because I, that's exactly right. They're putting it to practice in their waking into their regular everyday life. And so I've seen the changes. I've heard the changes taking place. Um, by some of my subscribers and and it's it's lovely to see that it's really lovely to see they're more calm and more centered and not as wound up and yeah it's really great to see I mean, I'm absolutely convinced that meditation can be such a huge benefit and so much help for any athlete, whether they're injured or not, because, you know, as athletes, we're always healing. You know, we go out and we train mm -hmm. and we do tissue damage. So even when we don't suffer a quote unquote injury, you know, we don't have a true mm. overtraining injury. We're always healing and recovering. And so our bodies are always rebuilding themselves on a daily basis. And, and I know that meditation can help people do that. They can heal faster and they can do better because, you know, reduce cortisol levels, all the things that we know sort of scientifically that go into healing. Meditation can mm. affect those in a positive way. 
And mm-hmm. I mean, I've certainly learned a lot from you here today, and, and I'm really grateful that you've taken the time out of your schedule to record this uh, interview, you know, all the way from Australia. And <laughs> um, I'm really grateful that we had you here to share your expertise on uh, meditation with all our listeners today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always good to for me to to talk about it too, because it solidifies things for myself and uh, what meditation has given me too. Now, what's what's the best way for our listeners to reach you if they need help getting started or, you know, because many of them just mm. don't know where to begin and they don't know mm. where to start. They don't know how to really even begin a routine or, you know, or if they have, maybe they are looking to refine their practice of meditation. What's the best way for listeners to, to find you and to um, you know, get a hold of mm. your resources and your course. My main, my main website is at uh, jasonstevenson.net. Um, and I think uh, you, it's, that's Jason. And with the Stevenson, it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N.net. Um, and that's got my, you can get in contact with me on that website if you have any, you know, might have personal questions or, um, but also it's got all the links to my YouTube and to my Facebook and to my courses so you can virtually get everything at that website there excellent well any other last minute tips for for all of our listeners look i just say to to begin and remember to never beat yourself up over the thinking that you can't do it because really it's we make it complicated for ourselves us human beings make it complex when it's actually not even complex it's a matter of just being and accepting what is and that means accepting our thoughts that come into our mind so even if you can do two minutes a day just begin just sit for two minutes and then the next time do another two minutes and you you'll be on your way all right jason thank you again thank you so much still have questions not sure whether or not you can run well you can get real answers in less time than it takes to drive to the doctor's office with a virtual doctor visit I provide remote consultations for athletes all over the world where I give out real expert advice and personalized consultations via telephone and Skype. This is for runners who really want to keep running and need to know exactly what to do. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.